We have a new show at Turpentine that's been in the works for a long time, Company Breakdowns. We dive into S1s and Series B and Beyond companies, interviewing founders and investors to break down the companies. First episode is on Rubrik, which IPO'd this week. Upcoming episodes cover Reddit, Databricks, and more. Subscribe at the link in the description or search for Company Breakdowns on YouTube or in the podcast platform of your choice. If you don't already subscribe to Turpentine's industry-leading newsletters, like our new daily AI newsletter, Emergent Behavior, or Media Empires, you should. But that's not what I'm here to tell you about. The platform we use to power these newsletters is called Beehive, and it's excellent. First of all, it was started by the same early team who helped build Morning Brew into a $75 million newsletter business. And they built Beehive to offer that same powerful functionality to anyone sending emails. From essayists to business owners, the platform is beautiful, their text editor is intuitive, and they help you scale your audience with custom growth features. Beehive has powerful tools to help you monetize your content. You can easily launch paid subscriptions or pursue an advertising model. The Beehive platform will even connect you to premium brands to sponsor your newsletter. Not only do we use them, but thousands of the top newsletters in the world also use them, like Milk Road, Blockworks, The Lindy Newsletter, and so many more. Beehive's founder hooked up Moment of Zen listeners with a sweet deal. Get 20% off for three months with code MOZ. Visit beehive.com, that's B-E-E-H-I-I-V.com to get started. If, if you don't have the tension of both sides, it, it, the product sucks. Like who, who cares about like getting just random AI thread boys and, and whatever, like you, you need the dunks. Like that's what people I, actually, I, I don't, you know, it's interesting. Product, so, right. It's the so, front so page of the internet, SBF things blowing up. You're just like on the timeline, right? Like there is an event that's yeah. happening now you're on the timeline. Again, looking at threads and he's like, Oh, I left Twitter three days ago and I haven't missed out on any important conversation. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's funny that, I, I mean, this is classic journalists, by the way, they're basically the eunuchs at the orgy and they think they're the big swinging deck. Right. And, and, and yet somehow like they think they're taking the party with them when the party really starts when they leave. Elon did the exact opposite thing that I expected him to do when he went after Substack. He went after by going after Substack, which is where every independent minded popular voice is writing completely nuking it so they have no distribution on Twitter while still amplifying or allowing every other mainstream press to like sort of enter your for you feed. Um, he inadvertently like kneecapped his only base of support naturally and amplified the voices that were attacking him, diminishing the product, now endorsing threads. We are rejoined by uh, fan favorite Mike Salina of Wires. Uh, Mike, thanks Glad for joining. Glad to be back. Glad to be back. <laughs> Mike, Always enjoy it. Mike, you had a uh, another banger uh, this past week, um, you know, uh, around threads or the Zuck versus Elon saga, which is, uh, you know, turned from kind of, uh, you know, silly to serious uh, very quickly. Um, and you started by recounting how that when, when Elon went after Substack, you realized that the war is not between Elon and Chris Best. It was it could only be between Elon and Mark. And right. I, I so this was I, I I kind of reflected back on this when, when Elon first nuked Substack. I I immediately thought, I mean that was crazy. It was my oh Antonio's in this? I didn't even know Antonio was joining. Wow. Hey, the cherry on top of my Sunday. We, we have like the full the full crew here. The, so. The, I don't even know if he can hear us because he usually has some quip when he joins. Sorry, no, I'm I'm out of it. What what should I what I missed a quip? What did Solana say? Sorry, I'm I out said of it. You're the, I didn't know you were joining, and you are the cherry on top of my Sunday. Solana, there's no way you actually said that, Mike. There's no <laughs> Roll it back. Roll it back. 
Zalan is just recounting his uh, Substack article on on Zuck for Zilan. Right. So what Eric said was that you know he he brought in the uh, I guess the sort of I don't want to say maybe the it's just like not much of a prediction. It's so obvious. But I I when he went after Substack initially, I remember thinking one this sucks. I don't like this for the I don't like this for the platform. I don't like this for the world. I don't like this for me personally. Um, but also too like it just seems really. Really bizarre. It seems bizarre that Elon was competing with media when he's a social media company and the social media giant he should be in competition with, the only potential one would be Mark Zuckerberg. Like they're going to be in conflict, it seemed natural to me. And he wasn't really thinking about that at all. And uh, and now here we are. And obviously it's like, I mean, this is the conflict. This is a platform war. This is, I think, I think the uh and I think probably there's some broad agreement here, but we can talk about it. I would love to hear what you guys think about this. Um I think that this threads, Instagram threads, meta threads represents the first real threat that Twitter has ever faced. Um, and, uh, and we can get into sort of like the uniqueness of it and why that is. I think a lot of it has to do with the users. So, and again, this stuff feels obvious to me, but for some, there are people disagreeing online. So I feel like it's worth kind of going through. Um, they have so many users, right? It's all coming directly from Instagram. That's where the, most of the users are coming from on this app. Whereas every other Twitter clone, and there have been, you know, an army of these things, and they always, people are always talking about them. There's always a political reason to celebrate the success of some new, some new Twitter clone. Um, they've always had to draw all of their users from Twitter initially. That's not the case here. So you're going to see explosive growth at Instagram. Uh, but then what Instagram really needs is good content. And all of the good people the, all the people who are good at this sort of short form text-based content live on Twitter. They don't live on Instagram, um, which means Mark has to attract, he does have to attract them, the producers. But if you have a huge audience um, that you can offer and a lot of growth early on, that seems, that's a real, that's attractive in a way that none of these other clones have ever been attractive. And if he gets like early on, if he can get enough content producers to be on that platform producing interesting, clever stuff that is either really funny or really useful, then I don't see how this couldn't be a, a, a real serious threat to Elon. And uh, I still think it's Twitter's game to lose. I thought that at the time of the piece I'd published maybe three days ago. Um, but I think this is, yeah, I think it's, I think it's a real threat. Can I, can I, can I just, can I amp up the grudge match nature of this? given some of uh, Elon's recent, um, just with personal anecdotes. So it my, my first dinky little YC startup sold to Twitter, and then I kind of bailed and went to Facebook because Facebook seemed like the obvious winner at the time, which in the bigger scheme of things, I guess it sort of was. But at the time, it, was not, it wasn't like totally obvious either, right? That like one would go, and then I remember the recruiter who was working the little aqua hire of the deal, I asked him, you know, so what do you think about Twitter? And he's like, we really don't think about Twitter much. This was like 10 plus years ago now, right? And then now clearly, Things have changed. Um, again, to take us back in history, right before 2010, Zuck tried buying Twitter, actually. Yeah. And, and at least as it was publicly reported, I, I think it was Ev or maybe it was Biz or whoever, whichever the Twitter founders was then ascendant, basically um, gave some massive number to Zuck. He said it's too expensive and walked away. And here we are 10 plus years later in the last chapter in the in the battle, just to... To 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 to, to, sh to show the epic scope of this battle, that's and happened. it's and it's more than so. There, you have the grudge, you have the obvious user thing, and then you just have the, I mean, the facts at hand in terms of what Twitter has been up against in the past and what Twitter under Elon has been up against in the past in terms of all of these clones. I mean, you're now up against the most successful CEO of a social media company in the history of our human race. I mean, 
haven't been many years of social media, but Mark has certainly dominated them all. And, uh, and on top of that, you have, he's not only a successful CEO in social media or the most successful CEO, he is a proven clone assassin. He has cloned multiple products and like annihilated with them. Um, it's like, he's not, and he's, he's like a fucking robot. Like he doesn't just approach things willy nilly and try stuff out. He's very thoughtful and he's, um, dogged. And I think that, yeah, it's just, it's the fact that he cloned this is a huge deal and, uh, it's explosive growth. I think people are making a lot of that right now. That's just expected. I mean, how can you not have explosive growth when you're driving all of your users from Instagram? There has to be some immediate explosive growth. I do think the users will surpass the Twitter daily active users. And at that point, there'll be a wave of media sort of obituaries that'll be written of Twitter. Um, and then I think after that, you'll see a, a slowdown and a crash because most of these people coming from Instagram like Instagram. They like, you know, picture and, and short form video. Um, the shiny toy thing will wear away. But if the crash is to something close to Twitter in size or even half or even a third of Twitter in size, it's still the only competitor it's had in this space ever. Yeah. And I mean, another thing, Mike, is also the Facebook growth team, <laughs> some of the best growth marketers in human history. Just imagining Javi and Alex and some of the guys who literally just systematically went after one country after another and just made Facebook dominate and destroyed every competitor. Um, they will turn their magic to work in this case, I'm pretty sure. Um, but I agree with you. I was, I was scrolling threads this morning to see how good it is. They didn't launch in the EU, Antonio? What's that? What's that? Threads didn't launch in the EU because of the Digital Markets Act. Oh. Yeah, well. Europeans, not, not, no access to the, the hot, shiny new thing. Yeah. I interrupted. Sorry. Go. No, 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 nothing. Yeah, well, I guess, I mean, yeah, fuck Europe, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> So, so maybe Solana, like, let me, let me take the other side of this. Cause I've publicly said, um, on my own Twitter clone, um, Fargas was not just Twitter clone, but you could, you could describe it like that. Um, I, I think it's a dud and I think six months from now, people won't care and it will be quietly folded into Instagram. Well, a different type of post. I don't disagree with that. So after I wrote the P I, I think that's the lay of the land. Like that's, it's. A, I'm just saying it's a serious challenge. And then the real problem is going to come down to content, which I, I'm sure that you're going to agree is like the problem with, I think that's the problem with threads right now after, especially after having, I suspected it would be the problem. And then after having used it, I mean, it's really bad. It's like extremely cringy. It's dad jokes. And like, it's not very interesting. There is a chance that just, I am a complete outlier here and I have the best taste in the world. And the average person just has a different kind of taste. I don't think so though. I think it's like, I think that it's bad and I think the algorithm is bad and it might, it will get better, I'm sure. But, um, but yeah, there's oh, like this content challenge. I think it's going to keep growing. Here's before the, they the algorithm. If it fits to the Instagram graph and you have people churn, it, like it, it becomes a self-reinforcing thing, right? Like, so the people who are using it are going to actually feed the algorithm. Like if I stop using it, they're not going to necessarily know my taste. Um, so I, I, I'm, I'm just super skeptical. And, and I think like the biggest thing, in, and I've been living in a world where I've been trying to think about like, how do you build a social graph from scratch, right? In, in the context of a protocol. And I've spent hundreds of hours talking to users, people who have, you know, huge followings on Twitter and then have a stated kind of preference publicly that they're interested in decentralized social media, protocol-based social media. And when they churn, I, I have, I, most people have DM'd me on Twitter to, to get onto Farcaster and I'll chat with them, whether, you know, get on a Zoom call or, or just over DM. And, and the primary reason is I've spent 10 years, 15 years building an audience on Twitter. Why, why would I want to go do that, right? Like the, the, the rich people in Europe 
did not move to the new world, right? Like you, you, once you're in that kind of nobility aristocracy within a social network, you're going to hang on till the end. And it's, yeah. and it's people who have kind of like their next best alternative is like, they have no engagement. There's no chance that they can become nobility aristocracy. They're going to be the ones that go and settle the network. I think it's really true and interesting and probably explains a lot of how we feel about this ourselves. And I, I always try and I always try and keep that in mind, like my own biases here, but it's really hard and it's just undeniable that I have a lot going for me on Twitter and I have nothing going for me on the new one. But the people who do have something going for them on the new one are all of the journalists who are being propped up by the prior order at Twitter. And they, it's not just like that they're succeeding now on threads. They're being dramatically, clearly dramatically amplified by, uh, by Meta. And you can just see this by, you look at various journalists from the New York Times, the Washington Post, who have very little engagement on Instagram, maybe a thousand followers or something like that, who overnight within 24 hours, 48 hours, are at 20, 30, 50,000 followers on threads, getting thousands of likes on, on, uh, on their tweets. And that's because the app, the way that it works, right, for people who are not following this stuff pretty closely or on the apps, um, you're not getting fed content from people who you're following. You're getting fed content directly from the company right now. They're trying to show you like the best content. So it's a huge growth opportunity for people who've kind of stagnated at Twitter, lost status on Twitter culturally, which would include in our sort of niche of tech stuff. That would be like all of the tech journalists have lost power over the last few years. And then all of the tech influencers who are aligned with them, I think culturally have lost power over the last few years. It's like, David Sachs's world right now, right? To assert, it's like Elon obviously at top, but it's like, that's kind of the culture right now of tech, tech Twitter. And um, and if you're not that, it's like, you're gonna go to the other one. And, and so you have a huge incentive to make it work. And some of them, not all of them are bad at this stuff. Like a lot of them are funny and clever. And so they're producing stuff. Like, I think there's something to it. Can, so what you're saying, I Mike, is that thing? the formerly cool kids are moving to the burbs. Is what you're saying? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the bird. I wasn't saying that. Yeah, that, that, that is maybe a good way of thinking about can, it. Can I point out one thing, though? Mike Isaac was the Facebook reporter. Like, Charlie Warzel. Like, these are all people who just all they did after Trump got elected was spent yeah, yeah. four years railing on Zuck. Zuck is incarnate evil. Like, we got to get, you know, on Twitter, right? And then Elon becomes the main character. And now all of a sudden, Zuck is the savior. And they're all kind of the, you know, they just... They, they blow in the wind with whoever wants to give them power. They have no ideological backbone, right? They all tried to use Mastodon and because they didn't have any audience there and there was no algo boost for them, they all turned back to Twitter. And so they're, they're showing up here and actually Masari took a, I, I put it in the, in the group chat that um, he said that they don't want to focus on hard news and politics. And you got all of the cast of characters who we know freaking out like, well, you can't have like a, a public square without without hard news and politics. And, and there was Taylor Lorenz. Let's just say her name. Let's just say her name. She is the one who's like leading all of this. She's the most successful on the platform that she's the one writing about it. She just wrote her piece where she was like, you know, guys, according to young people, TikTok is the new thing, not Twitter. And we're like, that's crazy because I definitely read that from you five years ago. Like what is like you're just clearly running propaganda, trying to tank Twitter in favor of threads. Um, I don't, that entire, I just don't think any other thing has been comparable. Like they actually, you can't deny that they have, they're succeeding right now, right now, today. Like they are getting a lot of attention. They're getting a lot of activity engagement. Kara Swish was out there talking about it with what's the other one that she, Galloway, like they're, they're having this conversation about their engagement on this app. That is true. Like they are getting more engagement because they died and stagnated years ago on Twitter, I was looking at Sarah Silverman on Twitter. She was complaining about 
anti-Semitic Nazis on the platform. Uh, and I looked at her, she has million, 11 million followers or something. She had like 400 likes, 500 likes on her tweets. As you, as you go down, like these people have completely died on the platform. They, this is like, this is a huge opportunity for them. Yeah, but I think it turns into the same thing that all of the the clones that are based off of anti-Elon sentiment for growth, which that's what Breads is, right? Like, yeah, you attach to the Instagram graph, but the narrative is very much like this isn't Elon. Like Zuck is our savior. Um, yeah. Anti-something else is not a sta- as a, like a sustainable growth strategy. And, and so I think that the thing that all of this stuff misses is if all of a sudden you get all of the, the, the former blue checks, which you could call mostly progressives, end up on threads, it's the same echo chamber where they don't actually have that intellectual blood sport. They don't have David Sachs to dunk on and get into the Twitter fight. And that creates the engagement, right? Like no one wants to kind of navel gaze and, and kind of just circular, like, okay, like we're all making jokes about Elon on this thing, but we're not actually in the intellectual blood sport arena. And so I think they all end up back on Twitter. Because the whole point is to dunk on the other tribe and get your team. That that that's Twitter the game. I mean, so I think screenshots. It's I, I'm seeing a lot of screenshots of threads on Twitter. So you could there's a, where there's a will, there's a dunk. Is is what I think. Yeah, I think but threads is going to end up. Yeah, sorry, threads is going to end up being the normie suburb that's actually kind of downstream of the weird, edgy stuff that's happening on Twitter. That's 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 less ghettoized. Yeah. So. That is, that would be interesting. My one concern for Twitter at this, not I have a few, but like, I think my biggest concern for Twitter is that it ghettoizes. If the left wing thing does happen and all these sort of status oriented like establishment people do go to threads and live there and it is the suburbs even. And it's just like, what is, if Twitter is like weird edgy stuff, it's, I mean, it's also going to be right wing stuff. And every right wing ghetto gets pretty gnarly pretty fast to an extent that like, I, I mean... It's I, like, it can get wild. Like we haven't seen the wildest right-wing stuff under the last six, seven years because it's all been silenced. But like once it's out there, it's pretty unsavory. And um, and not, I don't really see, a, I don't see that surviving if it becomes that. You don't want Twitter I, to turn into Gab or Parler. It's hard to do, to just become, because they never had even the growth. They never had the, the, the number of people there. But I do think, yeah, if the culture changes too much in moderates, become scared of it and, and just regular people become scared. They don't want to be seen as if it becomes seen as synonymous as being really right wing. And you're just like someone who doesn't even think about politics. You maybe don't want to be on there anymore. Um, maybe I think it's a, a concern. I, I think it turns into LinkedIn, like, which is, I think the valuable part about Twitter, like for the most part is, is from a tech standpoint, it's, it's better than LinkedIn, right? Like you can DM people, like interact with people within the kind of cloud version of Silicon Valley. And I don't know. I, I think that the right wing stuff will kind of be off to the side, but but the reality is, if you've built a huge following on Twitter, that is an insanely valuable asset for you in whatever you're doing professionally, right? So if you're a VC, like, are you just going to go rebuild from scratch on Threads? No, like you're you're going to continue to have your multi hundred thousand Benedict, follower fifteen plus over there compounding. I mean, Hunter Walk left. Casey knew. I mean, yeah. these. And VCs, they're leaving. Right. So let's see how long they like that. Well, they're going to be there for as long as there's engagement. Hundreds of thousands of followers. Like they're still going to, when they want to get some distribution out, they're going to go put it on Twitter. And so if some of their shit posts end up on threads, like fine, whatever. Like that's a very small network of very online people. And they're just going to kind of bounce between, you know, masses on a blue sky and and threads. 
they weren't getting engagement on Twitter is the thing. I think that's the cultural thing that changed is like those Casey Newton, maybe he actually Casey Newton has been getting stuff on, on his, any of his anti Elon pieces, but, uh, but the, the VCs you just met like Hunter walk and then Benedict Evans, like those kinds of people, those people who were very popular on Twitter, like 10 years ago into even five years ago. And they got like a lot of status early on and it wasn't never really clear why, and they've never really been very successful. Like, they're able to kind of reinvent themselves as the exact same thing right now on, on this app. So, I mean, there, there is like a reason for them to be there. And I guess, I mean, there'll be a lot of people who are getting it provided they're producing content and people are following it and they have a lot of followers. And I, I think it, it'll just, it, it could maintain. I think we might be at a place where like, there is a, there is just another app that people are using for, at least a little while. I, my, my sense is also, and Antonio, you, you're probably plugged into this group of people more, is traditionally no one from Meta, like who worked there, used Twitter at all. Like they weren't part of the public conversation. And so kind of like one of the reasons I think Meta got like really beat up over the last few years is that they actually weren't in the arena. I think like Boz a little bit started to participate and like you had like Stamos and a few other ones. But for the most part, Twitter is the punching bag, uh, you know, for, or Meta was the punching bag on Twitter for all these journalists. And so now one of the things that I've noticed, because I actually tried to build a, a graph pretty quickly. So I actually went through old school style, like clicked big names and see who they were following to try to like rebuild tech Twitter within threads, just to kind of get a sense for it. And half the time the algo actually will show you people like that you kind of want. And then half the time it's just like cringe Instagram accounts. They'll, they'll probably fix that, but we'll see. The thing that is interesting though is that a lot of the engagement are ex-Facebookers so it's like people who like are active on Twitter but you know had previously worked at Facebook they're kind of all interacting with each other and Zuck's responding to them so it's kind of like the equivalent of Elon reply guying you on Twitter is now Zuck reply guying you on threads yeah I thought that was just me because um I don't really use Instagram much but obviously I friended everyone of that generation of Facebook because like at Facebook you would just friend everybody you work with and so but I, it's interesting to see that you also have that effect because I'm seeing everybody that now is like a VP or whatever ex prominent FB person showing up there I'm curious Dan, what do you think of what's gonna happen to crypto Twitter because crypto Twitter is definitely a thing and that's crypto Twitter it, from my sense has not moved I think crypto right. Twitter is very tied in with Twitter I mean this is the problem I think about every day it's like how can I move that group of people over to my protocol but um I I don't think the, I think Solana nailed it in that the, the people who are making the, the most noise about threads, yes, the, the numbers are insane. You have a billion DAO, you get 10% of them do it. That's a hundred million people sign up for something, right? Retention is different. And I think they've actually publicly acknowledged it. I think Basari, um, I, I've been following him on threads and he's had some, I think, pretty good posts. So I, I think that they're not stupid at all. But I think that the, the reason this is blown up more than uh, I think it's worth it, it's the previous blue check class of Twitter has has kind of been this homeless, uh, you know, wandering in the desert where they tried Mastodon, it didn't work. They tried, tried Substack notes, didn't work. They all went to Blue Sky and tried to make that work. And then it's like, well, none of these actually are, are working. And so with threads, to your point, Solana, is like if they basically can kind of ingratiate themselves within the algo in the early days, if they can build up those followings and actually get the boost, then it can kind of re- rebuild at least for part of it, the, the distribution advantage they used to have under the previous regime of Twitter. And, and so I actually think anytime you get the media interested in this, it'll, it'll actually uh, magnify the actual on the ground impact. And it's, I think for Twitter people, they just don't really follow mainstream media because all mainstream media really wants to do is, is pick on crypto. So I think crypto Twitter is probably still on Twitter. Um, 
and then you know maybe someone else is able to peel off that to one of their networks. I actually think we're going through a fragmentation phase. So I think we're just never going to get Eugene Way's essay, which everyone should go read. It's like you know he's got status as a service, and then he has this one uh, how to blow up a timeline, and it's really long and literary. So it's a it's a good read. I think he nails it in the sense that you're just never going to be able to recreate 2020 Twitter. Like that was peak Twitter. Like we're all at home, COVID summer of 2020 with all the stuff going on. It was just like Twitter, Twitter was the main thing. And that's where Elon, I think like really got, got addicted to Twitter. But, but what does that mean? All... But what does that mean for, for, I, I think you're right, Dan, that this, this represents in general, media is getting more decentralized. And I think we discussed with, like a year ago, like when Elon bought Twitter, it's like, if he's even handed about it and keeps right and left wing on Twitter, then we're going to have a unified forum. But if he can't, it's going to break and you're just going to have different Twitters, so to speak. And I'm curious what that means to have a polity in which there isn't actually an elite public forum at all. Like you literally have fractured into just different communities with different values and different threads and different narratives going on. Well, that's the blogosphere, right? And so this goes, ties all the way back to the beginning of the, the episode is I think the smartest Elon move he can do is either go buy Substack, partner with Substack or whatever, and then get the high status. Because guess what? That is all upstream of everything that's being written on <laughs> yeah. threads. When I wrote about that, I was like, my thinking is basically this. Uh, Elon did the exact opposite thing that I expected him to do when he went after Substack. He went after, by going after Substack, which is where every independent-minded popular voice is writing, completely nuking it so they have no distribution on Twitter while still amplifying or allowing every other mainstream press to like sort of enter your for you feed. Um, he inadvertently like kneecapped his only base of support naturally and amplified the voices that were attacking him, diminishing the product, now endorsing threads. Uh, but there is a world if, if his, if his goal is to be the, the place where like the real conversation happens and you get every single voice that's not working for like the Washington Post or something, it's like everybody else who doesn't have that sort of media official stamp job, then what you actually have are the people who are creating culture, the real people, the people who, who are like upcoming, have an audience, are you know writing in an interesting experimental way. You have the subculture, which are many subcultures, which I think I feel, yeah, you look around, it seems like there's some kind of, for a while at least, it felt like there was a sort of countercultural thing happening. And if you're that, then what are you? You're the future. That, that you're the future of everything. And and it just it that's the that is the way. I really wish that he would, like you just said. I mean, I wish he would just either buy them, either partner with them, or like very very precisely clone that exact same. I feel bad saying this. Love the Substack guys, but if you're going to just destroy them and create some really shitty other version of of what they have, it's, it's like, you're just, you're just hurting yourself. And I don't understand. I don't understand the strategy there right now. Well, he, he shut down the newsletter service that they acquired prior. Well, well his, and, and long I tweets, say, I, I'm sorry. Like, I'm happy for you. I right. ain't much shit. They're, they're terrible. The long, I mean, my last one did really well. I think it's like Mark Andreessen's did really well. I think there's, there is some version to make it work. If you have like a, you happen to have a moment, but in general, you publish long essays to die. And then the comp in terms of monetization for creators is the subscribe on Twitter, which is so bad. I don't even know like where to begin. It, it you, There is no way to, no one really knows it exists. There's no way I can't, and all we're always promised these features that are coming, um, but there's no way to know uh, what is, what is being, uh, what is there to offer. Like you can't add, I can't do a regular 
tweet to everybody, all my 250,000 people, right? I would love to like blast a tweet out to them and then have a subscribe only thread beginning. So it's like, okay, we're starting the thing. Now we get the long, there's no way to do that. Uh, it's like, I don't, I don't get it. I just got a payout from Twitter. So the other thing is we were promised like ad revenue and stuff is supposed to feel like YouTube. I have a lot of followers. Um, I have subscriptions on this. I have subscriptions on pirate wires. I have, I'm supposed to be getting ad revenue. It was $200 for the month. Okay. Like, what is that? That's not an incentive. That's not like that. I, I don't understand it. And I understand it's a new product, but like, it's not working. And you have this thing over here. That's already working. And you could work with them. You all, he has all the power too. He could have some awful deal for them. I'm sure he'll think of something miserable for them in terms of a deal. And he'll be happy in that way. Still, he can have everything that he wants from them because they want access to Twitter. Um, he should do that. They should move forward. And this should be the place where the counterculture lives, the re which is the real, which has always been the real culture in America. Yeah. I, I think that the, the challenge, um, the, I've been thinking more about this because uh, Eugene actually had a really important point on Elon is really good when he's going against nature, right? You can do SpaceX, like get the rocket into space, make the electric car actually work and, and cost efficient. Uh, Elon versus human nature. I don't actually think he he's proven that yet. And I think that the more I think about it, like he, he's used to being able to do this kind of rapid iteration within an environment where his competitors are way slower, they're not going to change, right? Like electric car company versus traditional auto. Like he, he was building while they were basically bankrupt. And then obviously with SpaceX, there was no competition. I mean, NASA was, they, they couldn't even put astronauts into space. And so I think that once you are dealing with, with Zuck, right? Like one of the, the most killer founders of a generation, you, you're, and plus all these other tools, right? Like Substack exists, Patreon exists, YouTube exists. Like this is not a vacuum. Um, I don't think that the rapid iteration without actually delivering on what he's saying he's going to do. Like he, he there's a lot of promises, but they, they haven't been able to come as quickly. Um, that starts to add up and right, like you, you've given it a go. And like, if, if, if you're now all of a sudden being like, uh, like I wanted to do this because I thought I was going to get the distribution, but the distribution is not translating to revenue as a, as a content creator, if that's your business, you're naturally just going to go to the platform that, that maximizes your revenue. Right. And, and so I think YouTube knows how to do that. And I think meta just given that they seem a lot more competent in terms of their ability to execute could, could be better at that. And that's why I think Substack is like an amazing pairing for Elon. It's like, they were the, the bird that sits inside the crocodile's mouth that like cleans the teeth. And he, he tried to like, you know, eat yes. them rather than it's like, no, 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 dude, now you're going to have no teeth. Because it made us happy. It, like all of his top, all the top creators on Twitter were happy about that. It made them more engaged on Twitter. And what he should have been doing, and I, Antonio, you should have a lot of thoughts about this. I don't even know where to begin. But it's like the thing I, my sense was the thing that they should be working on was not like subscriptions, but fixing the ad product on Twitter and making that awesome. And I don't even know where you would begin to do that, but what do you? Yeah. I mean, the quality of ads are certainly cratered on Twitter, <laughs> um, but that might just be brands. Um, yeah, there's a lot going on there. I don't know how much ad tech degree this podcast can tolerate, but I, the targeting on Twitter was never very good. Um, they bought 
certain companies like Mopub, like ad exchanges that let you target specific users based on outside data. Basically what Facebook did with custom audiences. Remember, you know how at, at some point you browse the internet and you start seeing those products inside your Instagram feed? Remember how that just magically yeah. happened? I was involved with some of those products at Facebook actually. Twitter never actually effectively built those, right? And then it never effectively built what's called attribution, which is giving Twitter, Twitter giving itself credit for having driven those conversions and that influence, even though Twitter had ma obviously has massive upstream influence, right? Somebody tweets a thing, and it could skew an entire election or the entire perception of a brand. And yet somehow they never quite monetized that influence in a real way. And I think it's just lack of execution. I don't know. I was never, I, you know, our, our buddy Shuram might have more, more interesting thoughts here, but um, it, it, it is, I, yeah, a few of Elon's choices are like rate limiting and ads fed, you know, app is like literally the worst thing ever. <laughs> like, well, he said the rate, the rates limiting thing doesn't see, that feels like a response to Facebook, right? Like they suddenly realized they were scraping or something and they had to do something to, I'm assuming that that's what that, it was not actually like he was trying to limit stuff for no reason. I guess so. But anyhow, I'm sure you could come up with an ML model that would detect the scrapers versus the, you know, the DGENs like us loading our feed for the thousandth time that day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and Tony, like, the thing I don't understand is, and maybe this just comes down to just they didn't execute right or you know make the right strategic decisions, didn't build the right culture. But my understanding is obviously Facebook, like the, the original Facebook app, which is in decline in the US relative to Instagram, but that obviously monetized really well on mobile in the era that you were there, like it yeah. really started to ramp up. And you're dealing with a lot of text-based posts, right? Like not the same as Twitter posts, but it's still like when you're showing me those app install ads or dating or whatever, whatever the, the, the spend on Facebook was, that was very much driven off of like the, the contextual stuff, right? Or, or was it more about, I visit some shopping website and then it, it kind of was then able to attribute it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean that, I feel like I'm, I'm retreading chaos monkeys or whatever, but what, so, you know, as context for those who don't know, cause it's in the distant past now, I was like the first PM for targeting inside. Facebook ads, not because I had any particular ad tech chops. It was like a total sequence of accidents, but I ended up in the right place at the right time. And one of the first things we did was exactly what you said, ingest all the user actions. We called it Project Chorizo, believe it or not, or I called it Project Chorizo. Because <laughs> we were literally feeding all the user actions into what's called the topic targeting system. So even now you can target people who like golf, right? And like in theory, it's people who are going to buy golf clubs or something. It basically didn't work because like the fact that you liked Tiger Woods three years ago doesn't mean you're actually in market for a set of clubs, right? Like, like there's no intent there. It's it's like it, those likes appeared on your profile. So there's certainly a sense of like personal identification with it. It doesn't mean you're actually about to buy anything. Actually just having firing a Facebook pixel on, I don't even know where you buy golf clubs online, but whatever, firing a pixel from that is way more signal and will be more, way more predictive of your CTR on golf ads than anything you did on Facebook. And so if, if you're wondering how does your on Facebook data get used. I mean, I, I'm like more than 10 years out of the game, but it, it seems pretty clear. It's mostly using what's called lookalike audiences. So like the fact that Salon and I are tightly coupled, I mean, if we were both on Facebook, say, we were tightly coupled on, on Facebook means that something you browse or consume means it's very likely that I'm, I'm also gonna browse and consume that as well, right? Cause like the perennial problem advertisers really have, particularly smart advertisers is they know how to, you know, they've got their million in crypto, we call whale, call them whales, Dan, but we got our, our best, our golden customers. Like I know how to reach them at some match rate on every, on Google, everywhere, right? Like any smart marketer knows how to do that. What, what I really want Facebook to give me is another million people like these. That's what, that's what I need, right? Like the new user acquisition problem is that. And, and it's one of the overlooked ads products called lookalike audiences. I can upload those million people and get 3 million likes that aren't quite the same, but, but much better than randomly targeted stuff. And so a lot of your Facebook data actually is input into the lookalike model and a lot of the actual targeting is actually like literally Facebook reaching out beyond itself and saying, aha, 
this person browsed or looked for this. And I mean, at, at least circa 10 years ago, that was the story. And I, I doubt the answer. And then so what, what, why, why, I guess we need to have Shriram come on. It doesn't make sense to me why Twitter couldn't have done that. Yeah, because I mean, it's true. The follow graph probably doesn't have a lot of signal in it, but so what? It didn't, it didn't in Facebook either. <laughs> I mean, who cares? I think, um, I think it's funny. Um, there was an ad tech thread that came up recently talking about their acquisition of this ad exchange. I was briefly a, an advisor to Twitter after the fact. I wrote a Medium post, believe it or not, that got me a spot as an advisor to Twitter to help with the acquisition of this company called Mopub. And um, the guy, the founder of Mopub chimed in saying, yeah, I was never able to actually wire the exchange into Twitter in any effective way, even though they had spent, I think, mm. hundreds of millions in this acquisition. They just weren't able to ship the combined product and just they just weren't able to make it work inside Twitter. But Shuram would probably have a lot more insight into it than I, than I would. Um, yeah, Shuram's the only one who's like been in the bowels of all of them. Right, exactly. And he's, and he's exactly the one who wouldn't say anything publicly about it. <laughs> yeah, he just kind of smile. <laughs> yeah. Is this RIP to Twitter being like a map? Uh, like, do we see a path where Twitter is a, you know, even a $50 billion company? Um, like, is 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 social media just fragmenting to, to your point? I mean, Dan, you said you can't just be anti, but like Fox is anti-left. Like this has already happened in media. We have right-wing media and we have left-wing media. So why wouldn't it happen in social media too? You have right-wing social media or left-wing social media. But I think that the challenge is that the, if, if you don't have the tension of both sides, it, it, the product sucks. Like who, who cares about like getting just random AI thread boys and, and whatever, like you, you need the dunks. Like that's what people I, actually, I, I don't, you know, it's interesting. Wrong, so, right. It's the so, front so page of, of the internet, SBF things blowing up. You're just like on the timeline, right? Like there is an event that's yeah. happening now you're on the timeline. And so, Mike famously wrote uh, a couple of years ago, you know, Twitter is the ideas app, Instagram is the butts app. And, um, you know, but the butts app is way bigger than the, the, the ideas app. And so they're trying to People leverage butts. <laughs> yeah, they're trying to, but also remember like Facebook newsfeed, like, um, you know, used to talk to your friends on Facebook, like Facebook wall, Facebook posts, like that used to be pretty active. Right. And so you, but like, you didn't have a follower graph, you just had your friends. And so they're using the Instagram follower graph combined with like old school Facebook newsfeed posts, which it was just talking to friends. And this is what Sharon was saying in the group chat was that Twitter also used to be just talking to friends, um, or like tech Twitter broadly. And it's no longer that. And so um, you take the newsfeed, like, it's just going to be people, it's not going to be dunks. It's just going to be people talking to each other, people pumping. It's like the cringiness of Instagram, but, but with words. But I think, but I think, I don't it, think, I think that it goes beyond helps. that. I think it goes beyond that, Eric. It, you say that there's right wing and there's left wing media, but they exist within the same sort of moral and narrative universe in the same that in the sense that left wing will play a Tucker clip or Tucker, Tucker will play a left wing clip. This is a fracturing, like, English and Spanish language media in the US, right? And that it's just like, it's different fucking worlds speaking different languages that have some very vague or, 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 you know, overlap in the same sense that, I don't know, French media will report on the US occasionally, but they're living in different epistemic universes, right? Like speaking of our favorite tech journalist, Casey Newton, I was just, again, looking at threads and he's like, oh, I left Twitter three days ago and I haven't missed out on any important conversation, <laughs> right? Yeah. And it's funny that, I, I mean, this is classic journalists, by the way. They're basically the eunuchs at the orgy and they think they're the big swinging dick, right? And, and, and yet somehow like they think they're taking the party with them when the party really starts when they leave. But in any case, the point is that guy thinks <laughs> that the conversations that actually matter, he brought along with him to threads and he's living in his little world. Of course, he's not even within spitting distance of actual tech power. He doesn't know what the fuck's going on inside any of these companies. It doesn't matter, right? He's never built anything. He's never going to raise money, it, 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 but it doesn't matter. In his mind, 
he is in the center of the action on threads, right? And that's that's where you're gonna have people living inside their little bubbles. Why is everyone laughing? Sorry, did I just say was this funny? No, it was, was good. It was good. You just keep okay. shitting on him. He's not he's yeah, never okay, gonna get I'll married, he's never gonna He's not attractive, he's not fit, oh, diet God. sucks, <laughs> he's poor, he's unsuccessful. I didn't say that. Not me meteor. I'm just laying down the facts. Okay. okay. <laughs> I actually right. like him. Well, let me let me actually speak up. Casey actually did stick with Mastodon. Like actually, I, I think like relative yeah, he's got people, he he was on these platforms and continued. you know what this is? This is telepath. Remember Mark Bodnick's app? No. Who? Doesn't that still exist? <laughs> oh, now he has Wave. Waves, whatever. So I, I used to be in Mark Bodnick's app. It, it was it was small, but it was super engaged. It, it was a it was a it was, it was threads, but way smaller. Um, and so um, that's and where he just, used to coordinate attacks. <laughs> yeah, it it was just a big group chat and people shitting on Trump. So yeah, they would play Tucker clips. They would play Trump clips. They would play whatever. And they, they definitely shared my tweets because they would, he would, they would, uh, an army would come after me with Mark Botnick at the lead. Botnick, oh. Botnick. <laughs> I love the pun. Sorry. <laughs> so Dan, yeah, I mean, Solana already said it. They're playing screenshots. They're just, gonna, they're, they're going to be able to, they're dunking, but on their home territory. Right, but right, so, so let's go through what happened. So twenty seven, you know, twenty sixteen happens. And I think a significant portion of what used to be posted on Twitter that was interesting went into group chats. Like that, that definitely happened, right? Like we have plenty of friends, plenty of people in the group chat who basically don't tweet anymore. And yep. they've got plenty of things to say. They, they say them all day long. They just say them in Signal and WhatsApp. And um, so, so that changed. And then I actually think, it, if anything, it, what it left is the kind of like remnant word that kind of like even more uh, very online people, right? <laughs> like, just like they wanted the intellectual blood sport. And so for the four years of Trump plus COVID plus the beginning of the Biden administration, it was just like, you know, I, I think 2020 was peak of all of this, right? Just like think of like biology fighting the journals and like, you know. Well, we're about to see other things happen there too. So that you had the New York Times forcing their journalists not to talk about, like not to share their opinions and things like this. You saw a shift there. And also we're, we've been out of an election cycle. So I'm very curious to see what the next election is going to feel like. Once it really starts heating up, where are people going to talk about this stuff? I don't believe the Facebook, like we're not going to talk about politics here. That feels like a bait and switch to me because they're aggressively censoring, which we have not talked about yet. Um, and of course, any app that is run by Facebook, which there is like a nefarious read of this and there's a business read of this, the nefarious, that's the business read is they want Wendy's to feel really safe when it's posting about its milkshake or whatever. And then the nefarious read is that it's like an arm of the one party state and they're silencing all dissent and their goal is to swallow us, every one of us and force us to comply. Either case, like in like any direction that you want to take that, um, they're going to have a lot of censorship. Uh, Actually, I don't even know where I was going with that. What do you guys think about censorship? <laughs> Just fuck it. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I think it goes back to, we're going to go through an election cycle now where Elon, assuming he continues what he's doing, he's going to allow whatever is posted there within kind of certain amount. We of think, yeah. If he yeah, holds the course. If, if he continues with what he's doing. Um, so this goes back to the point about the screenshots. So if you're now on the group, uh, the group chat or you're on threads or you're on whatever other app and whatever percentage of your feed is just people screenshotting or linking to stuff on Twitter. Right. 
I can promise you, you're not going to be this like really disciplined person that, that is like, Oh, I only view the screenshot from the other app. You're at least going to be there looking for stuff. You're and you're going to be there scrolling there because you're going to want to get the status of being able to say, look at this fucking guy over here on Twitter. Yes, that's and so point. guess what? You're, you're a DAO. Like you just yeah. maybe. Like, yeah. So it, if, if the politics thing, it's true that Elon's open, it's true that Facebook doesn't want politics, then where are these political swamp creatures going to go? There's only the one place. It would be funny to see them come crawling back yet again. They're really just us. I mean, this is like where I was during the, the years of sort of hardcore censorship. It was like, man, I really want some new thing. I was never dumb enough to actually think that those things were going to work like many of these people are now. But I understand the desire. I mean, I don't understand their values. Like the desire, they want a place that's just really censorious and all I'm asking for is openness. But, uh, but I understand wanting to be somewhere that shares your values. What, what, what if the election splits? What if all the Dems are on threads and all the Republicans are on Twitter in 2024? I don't know what that would feel like. I'm excited. I'm interested. I mean, Dan's thought, I thought it was interesting. The idea of, of relating it back to the blogosphere is uh, kind of interesting. To, yeah, maybe that. I, so so I'm, I'm, I have a point of view here, like just thinking through trying to build a protocol for all of this for the last three years, um, doing this before Elon and any of this drama. Um, is I, I think we are going from a world of monolithic billion plus user and you know Twitter was never there but but call it hundreds of millions of users um, on these apps so you're still going to have those but that's just going to kind of be the ABC NBC CBS type thing and now we're going to have cable television and so you're going to actually be able to find and, and we've always kind of had this but I do think you're going to see larger scale networks where whether they use a, a protocol underneath so they don't actually have to do a bunch of that plumbing for the distribution and, and kind of those mechanics and identity, or, or they just kind of go and build a new experience. Like there's a new app that's floating around. Um, that's just like an Instagram, like retro Instagram app. It's, it's literally called retro. Um, and, and so I actually think you're just going to see a bunch of people attempt this stuff because the, the market here is the entire internet. So it's a massive, massive TAM. And maybe you end up with a bunch of 10, 10 million person social networks because it's actually feasible for you to do some of this, partially because of these, some of these protocols exist, partially because uh, things have gotten more efficient from, you know, whether it's software development, uh, servers and all that kind of stuff. And that's okay. Like you have this whole archipelago uh, version of the internet, which is obviously how the web works, right? And, and I think people are going to be less obsessed with the the one platform where they want to go uh, accrue status because if you if you don't have one anything beyond one platform becomes a well i don't even actually care it's too much work to actually develop that much of an audience it's funny i think sam lesson who obviously jumped ship back to threads put it best he called threads the pickleball of social media i suppose to like twitter's tennis i don't know if you've ever been involved in the tennis pickleball war i know it's kind of it seems kind of childish but i've seen it i it's like when you see a headline i've seen it so i would love to know more about it seems like a really wild bizarre drama i've seen pickleball courts recently and people seem upset about it yeah no no they, they're super upset about it there's a, there's an actual pickleball pickleball hate twitter account that i follow for those who don't know what the fuck i'm talking about pickleball imagine tennis but like shrunk down to a court like the size of four ping pong tables with like a plastic ball that looks like this. I'm ashamed to say I even have one on my desk. Um, and it's like, it's like easier on the knees, old people play it. It's, it's just not as quick and athletic a game. And then for whatever reason, 
dark forces are at work if you believe the conspiracy theories tennis courts are being taken down and replaced by pickleball courts and so um uh, and so that but but it is more i mean we i have the ball because we've got like an impromptu court on our roof deck and it's it's fun at the startup because again anybody can pick up a paddle and just kind of play it while tennis is a lot harder and much more of a serious sport so but i i think the yeah, it's like sailing skiing oh let's not even get into that <laughs> Why don't you recount why this, maybe Sam Lessons, like certain people in 2016 had status that have lost it by 2020 or diminish. You, you were alluding to that earlier. Who gained status? Who lost status? Why, why did that happen? Why don't you recount some, some, what types of people? You know, it's hard. I think there are a lot of different things that it was a confluence of many different events. I think there's the broader American context, which is um, the sort of institutions and uh, the media that is uh, um, sort of, I guess, aligned with the inst with our largest institutions in the country. And by institutions, I mean like the government, um, the New York Times, like this kind of stuff, C uh, NBC, CNN, um, just like really overplayed their hand. And uh, especially leading up through COVID, people really got sour on all of that. So that, that's like the background con and in a lot of ways, it was like, it was COVID, it was culture stuff. Um, I think that I do think, I don't want to get super into the weeds here, but I, I do think like the gender ideology stuff has a lot to do with it specifically as it relates to kids, um, really, really high profile stuff like the bat, like the, like the locker room stuff and, and like athletics and things like that. Like, it just seems really crazy. It seems like you're being asked to believe a lot of demanded to believe a lot of really crazy things. So that's the background context. And then in tech specifically, which is, I think, where a really huge shift took place, it was like the lifeblood of tech. I, I mean, I could in pushback, I could be wrong here, but my sense, because I, I, my background is in, I worked at a venture capital firm for a long time. So my background is kind of that. That's like my, my frame. And it seems like the lifeblood is the founder of, of startups specifically. And yeah, we have like these huge companies that we all know about and we all talk about the founders and, and they're, those CEOs are extremely important. They set the course of, of everything, but the blood, like the, the newness of it, which is always coming, there's always something to talk about. It's like where all of the opportunity is, it's startups. And uh, those people, those companies, the people in charge of those companies were ruthlessly attacked by the media and the people who defended them became inevitably against the press. So the people who went to war against the press to defend those people, I think became uh, seen correctly as the, the proper voice of those people, if you're defending them, right? And so that became, that, is, that became where status was associated with in tech. It was those people actually defending the industry, standing up, saying, fuck the press. That's not, the, your sourcing is ridiculous. The story's not even true. You, like uh, Antonio was saying a second ago, people like Casey, like, he doesn't know these people. He's no, he has no sense at all of what's really going on. He's just writing fan fiction about these companies. And, and I think there was a huge paradigm shift. Um, and I, I think that is where in tech, I think that's what the, what the change happened. And then when you're going up against the media, specifically on topics like COVID, uh, that naturally clocks a little bit political. And so it's, it's like the new status in tech is, I think, coded a little bit right of center, at least center. Um, there was other stuff too. It, with, you have people like Gary Tan, who's like definitely center, but it's like he's going up against the San Francisco government 
um, that's the representative Y Combinator going up against the San Francisco government. Like that's a huge political shift. And um, everyone who's young and wants to start a company cares what Gary, what Gary Tan thinks. Like there, there, was, there was a lot going on, but that, that was, I think, roughly the status change. And then if you weren't a part of that wave that was resisting the press in those days, that was actually maybe on their side, begging for their attention, I think that looked really, really bad. Um, and as people wrote off journalists for, for, for this kind of behavior, they wrote off everybody who was on their side. Peak uh, power of, of tech journalists was Uber. And actually post Uber, like, I mean, Travis didn't have like, there was no legal recourse they could do to push him off the board. He, he left the board because they, they convinced him to leave the board based on the press. And now obviously Gurley was leaking stuff from the board meetings directly to Mike Isaac and all that kind of stuff. But I think like Uber was peak power for press in tech coupled off obviously with me too. And I think just a lot of kind of like aggressive reporting on tech companies, some of which was, you know, factual and then other, you know, Theranos, obviously. Um, but I think a lot of that was tied up with Trump and is like tech went from this silly little thing to being too powerful. And then I think the, that broke in, in COVID. I think COVID, I think, but that they, was they the peak. all of the break power, and... no one cares. You know, they went after Brian Armstrong, like tried to assassinate him before the IPO didn't work. And, and then, so now it's just like, they live in their own ecosystem. No one cares what, what, the New York Times article about a startup today. Like if you know, had some right. serious allegations and then there would be criminal liability, it doesn't matter. Like it bounces off like Teflon. It, you're right that it that it's it ceased, it, ma it started mattering a lot less for founders at that time, but it started mattering a lot more for the average person. Their influence over Facebook, Twitter, like TikTok, YouTube, like, like that actually shaped what we were all allowed to talk about in the middle of like, a fucking pandemic that that was a huge huge deal and it dragged us all in and i think people in tech were very keyed into that conversation um i i believe that that was the zenith of the power i also i'm worried that i'm delusional and and just and it actually they, they that power still exists and um i'm in this like my little twitter bubble and i think everything's honky dory but like once this new election starts up things are going to get are going to get pretty hairy and we'll see the you were, we were saying earlier how people care about distribution. And so they'll leave Twitter, they'll try Mastodon or Blue Sky, but ultimately they want to promote their shit and they'll come back to Twitter. And, these, and there's a lot of people in tech who hate Elon, but won't sacrifice their own distribution. And what Threads provides the, the opportunity for them to hate Elon, you, you know, present that, and also gain distribution. Like Solana said, these same people were not getting distribution on Twitter. Um, so now in the same way that, yeah, sure, Substack is upstream of Twitter, it's way smaller than Twitter. Twitter is gonna be upstream of threads, all the important you know, cutting edge stuff is gonna happen on Twitter, but it might be way smaller than threads. Yeah, I, I think it's a temporary thing. Like I, I think those people won't get, the, the reason they get such low engagement is no one actually cares about their stuff. It's, it's not interesting. And so right now they're getting a lot of, it's a concentrated network and some of them already had big Instagram followings. Um, and obviously if you if you work for called the Atlantic and someone follows the Atlantic on Instagram, I don't know why you would, but plenty of people do. I'm sure they have several million <laughs> following them. The Atlantic can re re, you know, what are, what are they calling it? A rethread repost one of those journalists, which then I actually think the best mechanic th threads did was if you don't follow someone, there's a plus button on the, the avatar right from the feed and you can tap it and then you can immediately follow them there. Um, that's actually, it was a pretty, pretty clever mechanic. So I think it's like the rate of following people becomes pretty easy, but 
I don't know. I, I, I don't think, uh, I don't think Facebook is going to be, I mean, look at, look at what Facebook is doing in Canada. They're, they're removing news links because of, um, some stupid law that they just passed there. Same with Google. Well, that's so, smart. I love that they're doing that. Threads, is Threads going to be able to have those news links? Probably not. Like, so I actually just don't think that the journalists are going to get distribution on any of these platforms anymore. So your best bet is to, to push it on all of them. And if you've got 400,000 followers on Twitter from a legacy of 15 plus years in a blue check, like you're, you're still going to post. We're going to see. And it's going to be a battle of, of, I think, what content you prefer for the average Twitter user. Um, like, do you want the old school blue checks or do you want the new class? Well, what Shriam has been saying is that most people don't want politics. And Twitter has become a political cesspool. Most people want NBA. They want... I don't know, Japanese boy bands or Korean boy bands. I don't know. I don't know what they want. They want, they want entertainment. That's not politics. And, and maybe Twitter just becomes the political arena and uh, Facebook becomes what Instagram is, but just well, political. Like, what do we mean by political is the other thing. And I think what, what, when Americans say like, I'm so over politics, they're talking about like, I'm over watching a basketball game and having the commenter on CNN say, uh, there's like systemic racism and we should all be kneeling or something like that's the conversation that they don't want to have and provide as long as culture is that, that, and that's happening on CNN and that's happening on, you know, they're having that conversation on, on, uh, on NBC or whatever, like that's, people are going to be talking about that on Facebook. And if, if they're not, my sense is that means that culture has changed everywhere. And when we're, when we're talking about politics now on Twitter, it's actually like political elections and shit. It's no longer, you know, politics for a long time in America, last few years has been, politics has been everything baked into every part of us. And that was on Instagram too, though. Like I, I, I have a lot of normies in my family who are just on Instagram and they've been complaining about this there the whole time. I, I do agree Facebook won't be able to, or, or threads won't be able to have a no politics stance. And the question is, will it just become just a blue, just a blue Twitter and, if so, to Dan's point, like how interesting is that? How sustainable is that? Can I can I uh, do a little rant on? I think Please. that their decentralization claim is going to be bullshit. Please. So they've made a big bold thing. It's part of the onboarding that they're going to be part of the Fediverse, which is kind of confusing because so Mastodon is in the Fediverse, and then the protocol underneath it is ActivityPub. So you could kind of say like, okay, Web and HTTP, like if you want to use that as an analogy. Um, but so. Instagram or sorry, threads has threads.net as the domain, which another side, there's a company threads.com Silicon Valley company that now has to have like a badge on their website that says we're not affiliated with Instagram. But so they have threads.net, the domain, and it's actually in the UI. If you go to any of the profiles on threads, it says like threads.net. So I, I do think that they're, they're going to do some amount of integration. Uh, here's where I think the, like when the rubber hits the road on these details, I don't actually believe it. So, so the first will be, um, so if you're in one of these decentralized systems and I now want to, you know, federate with you uh, from my Mastodon server or whatever over ActivityPub, does that mean I get to like permissionlessly index the entire uh, threads graph, right? Because in theory, like I could just make the API request and say, oh yeah, I want to see the followers or whatever. And all that data would be slurped up into my server. And so I, first, I don't, I don't actually believe that. And like Antonio, I mean, you, you work there. Like, does that seem like something that Facebook would do? It, it feels like the opposite. Facebook would be doing the slurping. I mean, again, my read on, on Facebook culture is like 10 plus years old, although it's the same people running it then as now, um, or now as then. Um, no, I don't, they don't believe in open systems, right? And they've, they're extraordinarily suspicious of anything like an open system that they don't sort of control. Yeah. So, 
I suspect what it is, is it's, it's, it's a little bit of political cover in the same way that I think Blue Sky under Twitter originally, Blue Sky today is actually a very different thing. It's not even associated with Twitter, but Blue Sky under Twitter originally was Jack Dorsey gets hauled in front of Congress and they, they kind of rip into him. And then he just says that we're going to decentralize Twitter. And like, they kind of have this project that doesn't do anything. Um, and then it finally gets kicked off right as Elon's buying it and, and you know, was funded initially by Twitter. But so I, I think this is the version for Meta where they're going to claim that they're decentralized and, and some amount of content censorship they can kind of like kick off. But I don't actually think like if you're some Nazi on on threads and they kick you off, are they going to let you uh, federate back in as, as like your, your account? No way. Um, there's a bunch of other issues like can you take your followers with you, which is like, okay, the way Federation works with Mastodon is um, if I'm on a server and they want to get rid of me, one, they can just ban you and not let you get access to that. So that that is like, uh, I think, a critical component to this not being that decentralized. Um, and then the second thing is if if you do that that kind of like sucking out the audience, then that becomes an exit valve for any any creator on Instagram who just then goes boots up on threads, gets everyone to follow them because it just kind of naturally happens. And then say, hey, I'm moving over here. Come come this way and you can then continue to talk to people despite not using the meta product. I, I just, I can't imagine that they're gonna go allowed doing that. And then the third thing, and this is my, my joke, and I, I posted this to threads and Twitter and, and places. So I think the Fediverse had 10 million people using it, give or take. Um, they just added a hundred million people to the Fediverse in theory in the future. So does the Fediverse basically become the metaverse and basically now meta is like, you know, like they get to decide how, how the thing works because they, they have 90% market share in, in this protocol. And so I, I think the the design of the ActivityPub protocol and, and Federation generally is going to give Meta an extreme amount of power while being able to claim that they're they're plugged into a decentralized thing to make, you know, whether it's Congress or regulators happy. But one interesting thing is they didn't they didn't launch it in Europe. So clearly they, you know, look through all the, the regs and, and they don't think that they can actually make this work in, in, a, in a short amount of time um, there. Otherwise, they probably would have done it globally. But I can't believe no one's made a joke about the name Fediverse and what an obvious pun it is. <laughs> but uh, yeah. has it always uh, been called yeah. Fediverse, Dan? This is a, I have to say Threads is the first time I've actually heard it referred to as such. That's yeah, it's confusing because it's like Mastodon Activity Pub Fediverse. But in theory, yeah. like there's like... Uh, Pixel feed, which is like an Instagram competitor. There, there are other apps that are not Twitter-like within the Fediverse. Um, but it, but it, it's, it's, it's a model, like we thought a lot about this from Farcaster's standpoint. It's a model that works pretty well when things are subscale, but when they get bigger, you basically end up with peering agreements. And then the people who are the big providers there get to decide like who gets access to what, like the APIs and the data. Um, in the same way that if you think about it today, like indexing the web at, at Google scale is like, so prohibitively expensive that you end up getting a lot more concentration in, in things like search just because the, the, the internet is so big. I think the same thing will happen with the Fediverse in a world where other apps, like maybe Substack says, hey, notes can now plug into this because in theory it would all be interoperable. But in a world where Meta has 90% market share from a daily active user standpoint, I think that they can start to dictate like, no, 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 we, we're integrated with the Fediverse on our terms and and basically the open for Facebook is a very different definition than what, you know, people in the Mastodon world have, have defined as, as a federated system. If, if we're Elon, uh, if Elon's coming to us for advice besides either buy or align with Substack, what, what other, like, how do we play this? How do we recommend playing this? I mean, the, the Substack thing is my, like, you're like, without the thing, that's like the main, that's like my strategy 
is just become the place that the other people can't become the place that the other people can't. You, you're already that. Yeah, it's already the strength of you. Just just play to your strengths and and you win. You have there's a, the best contents already on Twitter. You have to just amplify it. Make those give those people their ribbons and their flowers and make them happy. It doesn't take much. Honestly, you could just stop doing some stuff and you would make them happy. Yeah, I, I would I would fix the algo. Like clearly it's not working for people. Um and so if that is more people who you follow and less, you know, kind of show random tweets that have no relevancy, consider reducing the ad load if you're paying subscriber, right? Like I, I would pay 20 bucks in a month that never see an ad on Twitter. Like every time I see one of those ads, they just make me mad. Um, so maybe focus on, on power users in that regard. But I think that the, the uh, go back to the Eugene Way piece again like the vibes are off is, is something that he says. And it's like a, I don't know, Gen Z term or something. But, but I, I do think that it's a really hard thing to pinpoint, but it, something needs to change. Otherwise, I do think um, you're just going to get this fracturing and, and Twitter will exist and it'll be big, but you will never get that public square back again. What well, Eugene was also saying, I, I lunched with him on, on Friday and he was saying that um, because of the algo, he's like, I don't see tweets from people I've, I've, I follow. Anymore. Like VC Twitter used to be a thing. Like people used to talk amongst each other, um, go back and forth, and now people don't see each other's tweets anymore. Yeah, I mean, the, the For You timeline, and I, I don't know the actual algo, although it's in theory open source on, on GitHub, the, the challenge is that there's just too much old stuff that pops up. And if you're a Twitter power user, so this, this is the, the other issue is like, there are two users on Twitter. There's the people who use it as a social network and then the people who use it as a media product. Right. If you're using it as a media product, you just kind of want an endless stream of interesting content, like whatever you want, the AI thread boys, you want whatever the memes, the power user kind of like almost borderline insane people who are just always online and, and use it as like a one giant group chat. Like you have to show them the people that they're following because they, they spend a lot of time curating who they follow and show the recency. But the, the challenge is that as soon as you make the default for you, which is the algo feed, the amount of engagement that people get uh, goes way down. And the you, you have to kind of solve for the idea that like, what you want to do is like, when I put a banger out on Twitter, and I don't, I don't actually write bangers, like Solana and, and AGM, they just like fall out of, out of your ears. But like those those tweets need to get like enough engagement that they, they get boosted, right? Because then that keeps the people coming back and producing that content that, that they like. But if, if you basically think of, like, you know that this was a banger, six months ago and now you put it out and you get like 30, 30 likes over two hours, you're, you're kind of like, okay, like I'm not going to keep doing this. Austin Allred is actually like, uh, you know, a friend of the pod. Like he, he's really dialed into like stuff that works for the algo. Cause I think he uses it a lot for marketing for his business. And he's, he's made multiple comments over like, it's significantly changed. I think the down ranking of links is also just like going to the Substack thing. It's just so stupid. You get all these like really dumb things where people like, they screenshot like something and be like, oh, scan the QR code or, or like at the, the third, you know, tweet down yeah. because it increases the time spent. It just feels low rent. And that is part of the vibe. It's like, it feels trashy. The whole thing just feels yeah. like, not right. And then, and then the algo self-selects for 30, 30 uh, tweet, you know, threads on how, how best to optimize your AI workflow or like, you know, the, the, like, here's this sports star who, made $5 million in the NBA and is now a billionaire because he owned like KFC. Like, it's like, I don't want any of that crap. Yeah. Like show, show me the interesting tweets. And 
when Twitter was at its best, it was something was breaking like from like something in the blogosphere or like whatever on the internet. And it became the front page of the internet because everyone wanted to share the link and that like naturally got boosted in the algo. And so then you knew what, what, what is the current thing on the internet today? Can we also uh, spend a minute talking about how Zuck's image has just changed so quickly? I think the, the, the change of Zuck's image is kind of interesting. He's become way more badass, right? This whole Brazilian yeah, jiu-jitsu well, thing. I know um, he was a, okay. He was donating hundred million to Newark. He's, you know, San Francisco hospital. Uh, he was doing all this, you know, traveling across the country, you know, meeting all these people. Um, he was, and he was apologizing for everything and he was universally hated. Uh, and now he's not justifying meta anymore. He's just doing his own thing. He's, um, you know, doing jujitsu. He's out of surfing uh, with American flag. He's challenging Elon to a cage match and he's universally loved. <laughs> no, he's just memeing and you guys are all falling for it. It's advertising <laughs> for threads because he needs to get people who produce content like that on his platform. He never just is himself. He's always, he's a fucking robot, like in a good yeah. way. He's yeah. relentless, but like, that's what he's doing. It's an ad. All this stuff is, these are ads. The American flag thing is where it began. And then the journey concludes with his cage match with Elon, which Elon being Elon could not help but engage with and amplify to hundreds of millions of people around the world. Billions maybe have seen that at this point. That's all that I, is. I agree. It's an ad. These people, they, ad don't, they don't love him. Like they, they, they just, they're the That's enemy the, of my enemy is my friend in the sense that Elon is now the main character. Elon is, is, is openly right wing on Twitter, took the beloved product from all these very online people. And so they're willing to kind of deal with Zuck if it just gets at Elon. But these these people just spent the last, you know, five years, just, you know, six years knifing Zuck at any moment they could. Like, well, the, the PR as, soon, as soon as Elon is, is disposed of as the main character, they'll go back to hating on Zuck. Totally. Well, the PR lesson is pick the right enemy. Just one thing, though. Zuck caved to their demands for content moderation. That's the difference, right? Zuck is playing ball with the disinformation yeah, industrial true. complex. Elon is not. That's a big difference. At the end of the day, Zuck gave him what they wanted. Right. Yeah, and he has forever, really. He's, I mean, he made a really admirable comments about free speech. But when this was, when the censorship conversation was first really starting, maybe it was like, I forget how long, maybe it was 2015 around that era. I remember him really making a pitch for free speech and he caved almost immediately and, uh, and sort of never looked back. And I remember... I mean, he has like internal review boards that are sort of mysterious and they have a Supreme court. They have a content Supreme court. Like that. If you just Google like Facebook, like content Supreme court, it's like all these like, you know, establishment people from DC who, you know, probably have never even used the internet and, and they're somehow weighing in on what content should be allowed on Facebook versus not. Yeah. It's not you to get out of here. Let's wrap on any, any final predictions. Is the cage match going to happen? Is Threads uh, petering out within six months? A any final predictions? I'm, I think I'm happy to go on the on the record. Is I, I think it's folded into Instagram. Maybe not within six months. So maybe a year folded into Instagram. But I think six months from now, no one will actually care about Threads. How about what about the cage match? Cage match happens. I think Coliseum. <laughs> this is the cage match. Threads Threads Twitter is the cage match, right? Yeah, That's maybe how they play it. I think. I don't know how the cage match can happen. Like it seems that the world could not possibly allow that to happen. But I mean, Elon describes the, the philosophy likely. of the craziest thing happens. I, Elon can't back down, so he won't. Uh, and then I think Zuckerberg will do whatever helps him succeed. And if that's an advertisement with 
for threads. They, they, he, they also both need to win is the crazy thing. Like they would both have to win that fight. So yes, I think it happens. I think it, I think it actually does happen. And, uh, I think, I think, uh, I think threads blows up, um, population wise. I think it overtakes Twitter and users. I think there's a wave of media celebrating the fact and talking about the end of Twitter obituaries everywhere. And then I think engagement just slowly degrades over the following like six months and it maybe stagnates into something like a third of, of, of as important as, uh, as, as Twitter, but all of these people that we've been talking about today are there. That's awesome. Okay. I'm going to say, I think the cage match is not probably not going to happen. I think threads are probably not going to die, but it's going to turn into like normie media world. And then Twitter just gets deeply weirder and just stranger and not necessarily right wing, just fucking weird. Uh, yeah, I do agree. I, I do think threads is going to be around. I think, I think it'll be cringe, but I think it'll be big. Um, and I think there's just this great, greater fragmentation. Um, Solana, we got to get you out of here. If you're uh, still listening to this, you have to subscribe to, to Pirate Wires. Also check out your guys' new podcast. Um, you've done a few episodes. Great. And um, Solana, thanks as always. Thanks for joining. Thank you for having me. Hey, everyone. Eric here. At Turpentine, we're building the first media outlet for tech people by tech people. We're the network behind the show you're listening to right now. We have a slate of hit shows across a range of topics and industries, from our AI and investing cluster of podcasts, to shows that drive the conversation in tech with the most interesting thinkers, founders, investors, and influencers, like Econ 102 with Noah Smith. We're launching new shows every week, and we're looking for industry-leading sponsors. If you think that might be you and your company, email me at ericaturpentine.co. That's E-R-I-K at turpentine.co, and let's partner together.